0: This week, we are catching up on everything from this past month. It's been a busy month, and I've been busy myself. I've been head first in the 3D printing lab. I've got a ton to share there. Share my thoughts about work stacking, and of course, we've got to talk about Blue Origin. William Shatner went to space. Let's talk about it. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the show. My name is Alex Girofanos, your space science podcast host from the East Coast. And this week, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Blue Origin, Blue Origin's 18th flight, the second crewed flight, uh, NS-18. Uh, it brought some, uh, a crew of four into space and uh, was the buzz of online and, and a lot of conversations uh, back and forth about whether going to space and this billionaire's space race is good or uh, a nuisance like everything else. So, of course, that discussion went on. We will discuss that, and uh, and I'll share my take on that. Uh, we will also talk about a few things that launched recently. The Lucy mission, which uh, which launched recently, is going to the Trojan asteroids. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and there's some other stuff in the works. A SpaceX Crew-3 launch coming up on Halloween. And there's been so much space going on. It's been extremely hard to... Uh, to keep track to the point where actually when when October started the Blue Origin flight NS18 was about to happen and instead of putting out an episode quickly about my thoughts before the mission I figured let me let me sit back and let's actually listen to let's let's watch let's dive into I wanted to really learn about this mission and I didn't want to say anything ahead of time because the most important thing is that these human beings get to space and return safely. Right. So anything that I felt like I had to say beforehand wasn't in that vein. So I kept it to myself. (laughs) Um, There's obviously a lot going on politically uh, with Blue Origin and Jeff Bezos. And it's really soured me from the discussion. So I felt I had nothing good to say, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> and I just wanted to wish the team uh, at Team Blue, Blue Origin, all the smart and intelligent people that work there. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, let let them do what they needed to do to make the mission work. And they did that. They had a very successful mission on October thirteenth, twenty twenty one. The uh, the mission was the eighteenth flight of the company's New Shepard integrated launch vehicle and spacecraft. It was the second crewed New Shepard launch. The crew of four included Blue Origin's Vice President of Mission and Flight Operations, Audrey Powers, former NASA engineer, and third Australian in space, Chris Bosheson, Vice Chair for Life Sciences and Healthcare at the French software company Dassault Systems, Glenn DeVry, and Canadian actor, William Shatner, the Captain Kirk of the Enterprise, finally got to go to space and at ninety, ninety-one, regardless, in his ninth decade, starting his ninth decade as a human being, to have captured the uh, inspiration, I mean, of just in a personal sense, my father, right, who, who passed on Star Trek to me and then now we're at this point where we've got a space podcast that I just am talking about anything and everything space, right? James T. Kirk, that character, William Shatner, the actor, has been a huge influential person in not only my life, my father's life, but so many other people's lives. Uh, And to have him, of all people, go into space and really see it, I mean, I think there was so much shared online. So sometimes, just like everything else, if you see just a really quick clip, you may not get the real sense of it. And there were a lot of people really, I think, hurting right now with everything that's going on um, and just attacking you know this this idea that uh, these missions and going to space and sending tourists that it's not it's not useful and I uh, of course we go back to the Inspiration 4 mission as being the paramount example of going to space is about learning something to help us on earth Right? That's ultimately what we're doing here. Um, and, and and one of the discussions around Blue Origin system has been around this uh, space tourism thing now. Uh, and the argument being jumbled, you know, putting SpaceX in the same box as Blue Origin and as Virgin Galactic. They're not, they're not the same thing, right? Um, the and and we even saw it with the missions right the falcon 9 took spacex's crew dragon and the mission and the inspiration 4 crew on a mission that went further than any other mission uh, any other human mission in the last in this past century right we we have not been farther than the iss with human beings since we lost the space shuttle in 2011 uh, and even then the space shuttle was only going to the uh the International Space Station and into higher Earth orbit, you know, deploying the Hubble spacecraft. So the Inspiration4 is a totally different class of mission and a totally different. Uh, there there are many different risks and the abilities therein of, of what that spacecraft can do. With Blue Origin, this is a suborbital mission. This is this spacecraft, uh, New Shepard, as it exists today, is meant for this. It's meant to send people to the edge of space and back doing, you know, a hop out of board the classic parabola problem you're spending time in zero g at the top of the arc just like if you toss the ball up but we're doing it really really high and they're getting up there really really fast and when you hear William Shatner describe and I I think that's what the beautiful thing is about sending people who are not astronauts and someone like himself who's been an artist his entire life what he's feeling he's expressing it and uh, it it was the overview effect that Many people have, almost it seems like every single person that goes and sees the curvature of the Earth, sorry, flat earthers, that sees the massive scale that the Earth is, I think that's only going to do a net good for advancing us to the point where we can start seeing each other as human beings on a planet, traveling through our solar system where our galaxy is twisting and throwing itself across the universe as it is, and we can't uh, ignore the fact that we're in space, we're flying around on this spaceship called Earth, right? So having William Shatner describe it the way that he would describe it, and then just the conversation that it brought around about Hey, did you hear that William Shatner went to space? James Kirk went to space? Uh, There is a utility to that. But uh, comparing what they did on the Blue Origin mission to what the SpaceX mission with Inspiration4 did is not really a good comparison. Now, going back to the technology, one of the beautiful things about Blue Origin's technology is that this first stage of how they're going to bring in revenue, just like SpaceX did with the Falcon 9 launches to launch satellites and other payloads into orbit um, that they did for the military, for private sector, for whoever could would pay them to go into orbit, right? Um, SpaceX did that and proved out their process and then was able to fund things like Starship. Now they're on to their real, real big plans of how they're going to send a you know, hundred, uh, up to a hundred people uh, to one single place and, and and have Starship as the ship that could return you back also be the, the living space that you live in. Um, transforming the way that we could travel the, the solar system, right? Advancing us to a point where we can send not just you know, two human beings to the surface of the moon. We can send uh, basically an entire pre-colony to go set up things and start the first uh, examples of it, or do exploration missions. Right? Go to gosh, wherever else we could send Starship to actually land. I mean, the moon is obviously going to be one of the examples with SpaceX getting the HLS contract, or at least initially, uh, not Na- at the very least, NASA putting their trust in the Starship system to also be an option. For, to, for keeping us on the moon long term as we go with Artemis. Um, so with Blue Origins orchestra, uh, architecture this first stage is going to fund this space travel to the edge of space uh, is going to fund the next level where uh, New Glenn, which will be their big rocket, their heavy rocket, will be able to bring their mission, their blue moon mission criteria and their lander to the moon um and at that stage we will really start seeing some movement but uh, in the meantime blue origin is still in growing pains of you know this this company really wants to accelerate quickly and they still have a lot of development to do and uh, i i wish them well i'm very glad they're that these missions are getting the limelight of space and getting people talking. At the very least, uh, I think that will do more good than it will do bad. I'll keep my other opinions uh, for maybe a future episode when I've, I've thought them out more. Um, but I really am blown away by... You know just how just how quickly we talked about this in another episode. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but uh, <laughs> on one of the other episodes we talked about how the mission itself, Inspiration 4, was not getting a lot of traction, and it was just crazy to see that even just the talk about James Kirk going to space out outspoke the over 200 million dollars that was raised for childhood cancer research for the St. Jude. So never mind just those four individuals training in much less time than any other astronaut before going farther than any other group of human beings have gone in a very very long time since we were able to go to the moon uh if you haven't already please 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 go back watch our old episodes we did coverage for both the launch and the landing of that mission uh we've been talking about it a lot that's actually Uh, the last few episodes before (laughs) this episode, if you're new to the podcast. So if you did miss that, that's there. There's also the fantastic Netflix docu-series, which I think is still up. I'm not sure if they're doing a limited run, but um, that has much more. It has footage about the whole mission, about them getting selected, training, going into space, uh, some of their time in space, and then uh, returning. We, you know, we got some of that. Footage, And then, of course, if you follow online, there's plenty of stuff on Twitter and Instagram that if you really want to dive into it, you can. It's all there. Um, Other than that, we've got to move on. Uh, One of the things to look out for that just launched recently was the Lucy mission, which is heading its way to the Trojan asteroids. Now, uh, we've talked about a lot before about how Jupiter, being the most massive object other than the sun in our solar system, it really does act like a shield. For some of the largest uh, objects that that come into our solar system that could potentially uh, mess up life as we know it uh, completely on our planet and things have done that before um, but Jupiter does a great job of pulling the shield around uh, the, uh, the, the inner planets and one of the things that both Follow that follows on either end of Jupiter are the Trojan Asteroids they're they're in the the giant collections from the gravity well of Jupiter That are before and after it in its orbit around the Sun Um, And so what Lucy will be doing will be using the Sun as a central point for its orbit and going around and catching those Trojan asteroids as Jupiter goes around the Sun so uh, we'll be learning a lot about these Trojan asteroids, which are really the, they're what's left over from the early creation of our solar system. You know, other than being a shield, Jupiter was also, and the other planets as well, uh, good at scooping up uh, all the extra debris that happened from our solar system, be, you know, in all the chaos that it is from, from the creation of a solar system like ours, where we can have life in a steady state. It took, incredible amounts of time and having enough of these large bodies and gas giants that could suck up and break down these asteroids into either moons or these Trojan asteroids and the asteroid belt that uh, is where the rest of the remainder is from the initial basically building blocks of a solar system. So these Trojan asteroids are pretty much untouched for the most part right They're They're basically time capsules that we can go to and say, these are the ingredients that were from the very beginning of our solar system. And if we can find out what is in what makes up those Trojan asteroids, what makes up the recipe of a solar system that like ours harbors life, right? If we can figure out what what our what the makeup was of our solar system, we can start looking for others. And if we can look for those things, and travel to those places and focus our search there, we may be able to find life as we know it. Um, Now the question of whether or not life is only possible like us or in some other form, that's still to be figured out uh, and I'm sure that will take (laughs) some time. But the Lucy mission is another one of those missions that's uh, a great exploration mission that, you know, we're very lucky that NASA has has really done a, a tremendous job with all of these exploration missions recently, you know, new horizon. Um, now there's too many to count really they, They're And it, they're all around the world too, like, uh, Osiris Rex. Um, and then there was the Rosetta mission and so many others that have, you know, Juno, uh, gosh, I could I keep going Cassini, all these missions that have given us an eye and a better understanding in the last few years. Um, have been really really great for I think getting people interested in what's out there, but also expanding what we actually know is out there and uh, Another thing in the vein of You know pushing the boundaries of what we understand and what we can do uh, we've talked a lot about satellites and the The amount of them that are actually out there around our our, our planet earth, right? um practically, literally littered uh, in many aspects of our different orbits, low-Earth orbit, geostationary orbit. Uh, there's plenty of others where we've put satellites, and where do they go? So most of the time, they end up continuing to orbit until eventually their orbit decays, but in many cases, these satellites are going to take a very long time for that to happen, so they're constantly moving around. We had our interview with Luca Rossettini, um, the CEO of uh, deorbit and their company focuses on this problem that already exists and is only in the next decade going to uh, fractal into exponentialness and there will be a large problem very very soon and so really what we're talking about is being better about what we put into space and having a plan which would deorbit offers um, having a plan of what do you do with your satellite once it's up there, can you manage it and bring it down if you have to, if it if it fails, or if it comes to the end of its life, do you have a backup plan to bring that in and do it in a safe way that is that is not going to ruin anything else that's up there, not ruin any future orbits, because if you mess up and you destroy something in orbit, it's just a bunch of debris traveling in now an uncontrolled way. And then of course, being able to deorbit at the right angle, so that you can actually uh, basically have the atmosphere take care and energy, take care of that debris and, and get rid of it uh, as it comes back in. There's a place in the Pacific Ocean that we actually have for anything that will still survive uh, like Skylab is Point Nemo in the Pacific where it's the one of the farthest places from any land and it's extremely deep so that uh, whatever we put there, if we have to, is is it's a nice big open target where you can drop things. Um, but we need to get better about that, right? If 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 now more people are going to get into this, more private companies are going to get into this, what are the standards? What are we saying is what we should have as possibilities for sending things into space? We want to be able to get to the point where we can refuel these satellites. And that's where uh, one of the new missions that will be launching aboard SpaceX's Falcon 9 is a propellant tanker from orbit fab that will fuel geostationary satellites so it's literally going to be a tanker satellite that's going to be available in geosynchronous orbit the satellites will be able to go to dock fuel and then continue their mission have an extended lifetime which will be beneficial to the people sending the satellites it will be beneficial to everyone else in orbit because if we can have procedures about getting getting things fueled up there, right now there is no option. If you run out of fuel, you're done. That's it. And if you can't, if you have no fuel to get rid of your satellite, then it's a giant piece of junk just flying around, waiting, uncontrolled to hit something else. I know we've had plenty of stories of old, you know, Soviet spy satellites and and other spy satellites that have been in orbit for so long that they're just basically still out there. If they still have power, they may actually uh, be able to adjust orbits. There's been many, many different times where uh, you will read articles about uh, different, different satellites needing to be maneuvered just to get out of the way. I mean, um, everything about going into space, I mean, we've been lucky that we've had all these smart, intelligent people involved and once we start getting more and more people, our, the standards will probably slip if we don't keep up and improve. And this is one of those great things that I'm really interested to see how it goes. It, it, this is a first step in something we don't have that uh, is a core concept to staying in space long term, especially for something like the Lunar Gateway that NASA is trying to build with uh, starting with uh, the Artemis program where we will have these locations where you can go to safely, slow down, approach at a safe speed to, uh, increase just the entire safe, the the, the entire, uh, mission safety that you need for humans to be doing this regularly, like regularly, right? Like we want, we want this to potentially get to the point where if you want to go to the moon, it's like doing a, you know, cross continent flight, uh, from different parts of the world, right, going from the US to, let's say, China, the US to Australia, right, really, really long trips, um, trips across the Atlantic, um, where it's, it's much more of a long term travel thing, but that it can be done repeatedly, and at the levels of safety that anyone would want to actually go, right. Um, To get to that point, you need to have these stations. And even before that, if we wanted to regularly go to the moon to start colonizing it. Uh, And even Mars at some point, we would want some kind of a fueling station uh, to load things up, get things ready for a return trip. It's a lot easier if you have a fueling station, instead of having to make propellant when you're there. That's a lot easier. And then if you can make propellant, then you can keep that station fueled up for uh, virtually as long as you can keep that hardware going. So having a fueling station is a huge first step and being able to fuel these satellites uh, is going to be really cool. And the, the fact that it's launching so soon is really exciting and hope we'll, we'll try and see if we can catch that launch. Um, but that's that's pretty much it this week, folks. I'll, I'll close with some some thoughts on the balance. Um, we talk about that a lot here in the podcast about finding a balance between life and doing what you love and, and just being a human being right at the end of the day. Uh, we are emotional apes. Uh, none of us are robots yet. Uh, So we, you know, there is a balance to be found in any aspect of it and I find it in a lot of the aspects of what we do here on the podcast, Uh, we were talking about this idea of work stacking in which, you know, we all have a limited amount of time and if you can find a way to do things that provide you value, and you can do them at the same time and and basically do more work in the same amount of time than you would if you only did one thing. there's something really valuable about that. That's how this podcast came to be work stacking was one of the reasons I uh Is one of those ideas I found through Investigating scientists and learning how they thought and how they got to be so good at what they do a lot of it had uh, a lot of them Talk about this concept in some way or form about you know doing more with the time you have being efficient and all those types of things um and so we've been catching up with that because we saw the the other side of work stacking recently where our 3d printing lab ag3d got very busy we were scaling a project from uh, a few parts at a time to many tens of uh, 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 a lot of parts let's put it that way (laughs) Um, that's a very different thing from being able to do just a few. Uh, and, and one of the things our lab does is bring people's ideas into reality with 3D printing. And this was always something that we were hoping to get to, to a point where we can make enough of something for somebody to have low volume production. We, we've we been 3D printing for, gosh, it's like five years now. Um, and it supports this podcast. And we have an Etsy shop, ag3dprinting.etsy.com, where we, we have designs that we've made and Pretty much, if you order from there, we start printing it on a 3d printer, it's printed on demand. And uh, our inventory is our 3d file, which takes up, you know, minuscule amount of space on on some flash drive, uh, or on a computer. And the rest of it is material, it's plastic, right? Spools of filament that then we process into something real. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that we'll do is bringing ideas into reality, right ideation iterative design process quickly adjusting an idea to something that could be something that you could make a lot of uh, And one of the things that we also try and do is to make really high-quality parts uh, painting and sealing parts and so all of those things to do that in my own home <laughs> takes a uh, Uh, A lot of work to make it safe. And so we had a lot of work ahead of us Uh, We finally got the media blaster set up. So basically we're using we bought a giant 20-gallon air compressor and We're using a media blast gun. We're using walnut shells ground-up walnut shells. That's like a 60 grit um, with fine uh, glass beads that is like a 40 grit Um, and we're using about I think it's like 70 PSI and we're spraying this onto our 3d printed parts after we've rough sanded them to smooth it out. And then after we put our sealer, we use it as kind of like a polishing to get the surface extremely, extremely smooth and a uh, really high quality. And uh, we had to find uh, a device that we could get the heavier parts. Uh, this, is, this is actually air cyclone. So we have a vacuum that pulls uh, through a, a filter into this particular bucket where this, uh, the media that gets blasted in the cabinet gets sucked out of the tube into this cyclone. So the heavy stuff goes to the bottom so we can reuse it later. And then the finer particles go through the vacuum and then out the house um, so that we can keep it as clean as possible. And we've, we got it to the point where the vacuum was so good that uh, we actually pulled a vacuum... the point where the gloves in the media box were completely stiff i couldn't use them they were not usable so we actually had to create a little bit more airflow um but that's good that means we did the right thing (laughs) um that means we are our safety is a really high level um so that took a while to figure out it was a lot of learning um but it's going to enable me to do a lot more uh, in the future and and help our customers uh, scale their projects because now we're at the point where we've actually been good enough about bringing ideas into reality that we want to go the next step. So a lot of that has been, uh, learning how to do that. And, uh, then we had a uh, 3d printer go down. If you follow us on uh, Instagram today in space pod and at ag3d printing, uh, <laughs> we are one of our large format 3d printers. The, uh, uh it's Creality CR 10 S5. It's 500 millimeters cubed. It's like, uh, was it like 27? I think uh, inches uh, cubed. Regardless, it's really big, and it's been a workhorse, and it's it's been helping with these big projects and these bigger parts, even like cosplay parts. Which October thirty first, Crew Three mission, SpaceX, NASA, going to the ISS, Halloween. Uh, they're launching. What is it like two two something two twenty one in the morning on Sunday. Uh, so it's probably going to be a little early for a lot of people unless you're, you're out, uh, that Saturday, um, but we're going to do a a Halloween episode on that Sunday. We'll, we'll wear, we'll wear costumes for that. Um, and that's the other thing that we are, we're 3d printing is a lot of, you know, prop stuff and, uh, and cosplay stuff. So that large format printer is key to our (laughs) lab here. And we had to, we had a whole power supply blow, uh, and, and we had a fuse blow. So we had to replace it luckily we got it in like two days had to replace that but all of that happened the week before that like two weeks ago I caught a regular cold because apparently you can still catch those my voice still sounds a little grody but uh, for a good week and a half (laughs) right after uh, this Blue Origin launch I my voice was terrible. Um, so what I've been trying to do lately is just listen to my body and you know, we've got our standing desk here. So I've been able to keep my back and, uh, all those other things in check and making sure that, uh, that we're, we're, making progress on our, in my, on my path to getting my body to a better place, living, living healthier, not only focusing on what I can do with my mind, but also, uh, what, what potential, uh, I have with my body as well. So. Uh on to at, close out this episode, um, my point is thank you for joining and for hanging in there. <laughs> when I had a, a few weeks there where uh where I was gone, I ran out of episodes and the episode bank and uh yeah, just catching up guys. We're we're all human beings, uh as much as some of us may think we can do more than that, myself included, um it's all good life happens the world is also crazy right now so I'm trying to also give myself a little bit of a uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is be kind to yourself folks (laughs) I'm trying to be kind to myself as well Um, but we are back in the swing of things I've got uh, uh, I'm on the other side of this work stacking uh, phenomenon and we I did an audit of my time Uh, which if you haven't done before is really useful if you're really trying to focus on the things that you are uh, what are your priorities right Um, and I have some great help I could not do it by myself I have some great help some people that really care about me and I care about them and so we went through the very difficult process of auditing my time which is always awful but it always helps so much Um, it's a lot of brutal honesty and just uh, realigning everything that we want to do here. This podcast is here to stay. Um, the 3D Printing Lab is here to stay. And we he- are and, and we want to grow this even bigger than it is today. And, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, hit that bell. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you get all the clips that we put out there. Maybe you don't have time for the full episode. Look, and I, I get it. I get it. That's why I'm leaving this rant for the end of the podcast. But... But if you want to get caught up on all the different things that we're doing, those are the places to catch us. Um, We have a lot more in store. But for now, look out for the Crew-3 mission October 31st and uh, a a, a conclusion at some point to the FAA open, open house for the Boca Chica site for Starship and SpaceX uh and, and whether or not it's gonna be a uh, hindrance to the environment and then what SpaceX would have to do to adjust that. Uh they could also tell them to rip the whole thing down. They're just about to get they've just been installing the uh the chopsticks as as they've been called that will catch the super boost uh that will catch the the big booster for Starship uh with the grid fins It's going to be a wild sight for recovering the first stage of something as massive as Starship. um, It's going to be crazy. It's going to be like catching the Saturn V. Uh, It's going to be absolutely wild. The scale of it's going to be crazy. We will get down to Texas, I promise. uh, And we will see one of these launches, maybe if we get a chance uh, early next year. But all of those things are possible because of you guys supporting us with our lab ag3d printing ag3d-printing.com if you want to check out everything that's there get a free quote from us on your project and, and bring something into reality or if, like if you're a student right uh, if you're a student and your your labs all fold up or you want to create a project for something else or just want to bring an idea into reality hit us up let us know uh, what you're thinking and we'll we'll see what we can do for you um, and then of course at the Etsy store the holidays are coming up we've got some great gifts on there. Uh, and a few other things, uh, a Mandalorian ornament coming out soon. So uh, just in time for the holidays. so check out that. Um, and of course we also have our Star Trek uh, badge here, our com badge. I wore this today to honor uh, Captain Kirk's trip into space uh, and blow and, and just him blowing his own mind uh, go, going into orbit. Uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm rambling. so thanks for joining us. I really appreciate your support and we'll be back for another episode very, very soon um, of today in space. Thanks for joining us. Be well.